congregation think of the short sentence, he could not do it. Think of an owner of a company with employees. He's one of them. You have to do a better job, otherwise you have to fire you. And the person is not listening, has been warned many times, has the right, has now the, the owner is not, has, has not the right to lay him off, to fire him, but he could not do it. He's a breadwinner, he's a wife, his children, could not do it. So filled with, so filled with compassion, he deserves to lay him off, he, 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 he could do that, yet he can't. Or think of the father or mother have warned this, this son or daughter. If you do that, there are consequences. They should do it, do it again, and they could not do it. They could not follow up. Sometimes weakness, sometimes compassion. They realize that you cannot run a company with pity. There also has, there also has, has, has to be rules, and you have to just follow up. What about the Lord? Are there situations that the Lord says, I cannot do it. I have the right to slay them. The right to throw them away in everlasting damnation. I cannot do it. In a sense, yes. Our text for today, Hosea 11, the verses 8 and 9. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Atma? How shall I set thee as Zeboim? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentance are kindled together. I will not execute the feasts of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man the Holy One, in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city so far. God yearning over his people. God yearning over his people. See that? My repentance are kindled together. So the, the, the theme, God's yearning over his people. Three thoughts. Is yearning over Israel, the people of Israel, the Israelites. Secondly, the yearnings over the wicked. Really? Over the wicked? And in third place, the yearnings over his safe ones, over his people. God's yearning over his people. His yearning over Israel, his yearning over the wicked. He's yearning over his people. Congregation, he could not do it. Sometimes we see it in the Bible that the, the, the word says he repented of it and he did not do it. Amos 7, verse 3 and 6. The Lord repented for this. It shall not be, say the Lord. The Lord repent for this, this also shall not be, said the Lord God. Or think of Jonah and Nineveh. And God saw their works, that they turned from the evil way. And God repented of the evil he had said that he would do unto them, and he did not. So God is a God of compassion, but also just. There's no weakness in him, but he is a Covenant God, things he cannot do because of his mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this evening, we'll see an example of that, in that the Lord is so compassionate. The nation of Israel was split in two, two pieces, the north, the north country and the south country. Like children, you know that? And the north country was called Ephraim, or Israel, the ten tribes. The south, Judah, the two tribes. Hosea preaches to the north country. The south country was doing better at this time. 
Many, many of God's people yet in the south country, in the north country, very little. Look at verse 12. Ephraim compasses me about with lies in the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah yet rules with God and is faithful with the saints. So in Judah, many of God's people yet, in the north, a terrible, such an ungodly mess, so, such an animosity and an hostility against the Lord and his laws. So that's what the Lord is speaking about. And the Lord compares Israel with a child. Verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Verse 1. Children, do you understand that? Called a child. The child Israel was a child in Egypt. Israel was a child. A child, an orphan child. The Lord says, I'm going to adopt a child. Going to take a child out of Egypt and take it home to, to, to the state of Israel. So the Lord said it was a child, and I loved him. The father adopted the child he loved. And the Lord is speaking in this chapter. Twenty times he says, I. When Israel was a child, then I loved him like a father loves his child. Do you see what he's doing? See the father standing there and holding his hands out, holding the hands of the little, little, little toddler, one-year-old or so. Just teach him to walk. Come, another step, another step, and they, and they enjoy it, right? Teaching the child to walk. When Israel was a child, and I loved him, called my son out of Egypt, I taught Ephraim also to go. Verse 3. Taking him by the arms, but they knew not that I healed them. So it was so good for that for the boy, for Israel. And taught him to walk, was close to him, paid attention to him, loved him dearly. And the child did not really realize it. The child was rejecting it and did not realize that, that, his, that his father was healing the child and for the better of the child. So God called the child out of Egypt. In the first part of the chapter, in the first three, one through four, the Lord reminds Israel of his fatherly care for the people. The heed of Israel, the being a child, and the Lord loving it. A child the Lord has, 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 has adopted. And I see the child is refusing the, the care. And they call them, the prophets call them, so they went from them. So as they call them, so they went from them. The Lord paid much attention to them, and the child, the adopted child, is rejecting the Lord. There's no use for the Lord. I drew the cords of a man with bands of love. You know, I remember years ago when I was young, my brothers and sisters, the babies yet had a rope or an, some ropes around them, kind of in a harness, and they were on a kind of a leash so they couldn't walk away to help them guide and to protect them. Of course, not rough and hard leather, but very soft leather straps that were used. And so the Lord is also teaching Ephraim with cords of love, the bands of love, with cords of a man. And I was them as they that take off the yoke on the, on, the, on the jaws, and I laid meat on them. That's hard to understand. I think it means this. The picture is changing. First was a child, now it is also an ox, an animal. Those animals had yokes, connected to the plow, connected to the cart, and they pulled them. But also were used for threshing the corn, for harvesting. And they had an extra yoke underneath their head, so they could not bow their head down. So they could not eat the grain. And sometimes the farmer stopped and took that yoke away, the lower yoke away, so, the child, so, so that the ox could bow down its neck and eat of the feed that was laid before him. 
I drew the courts of, of men with bands of love, and I was them to uh, them as they that take off the yoke on the yards, yards, and I laid meat unto them. I gave them feed. And as the soldiers shall abide on the cities, shall consume its branches and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. So the people of Israel, led out of Egypt, compared to a child, adopted by the Lord, that was teaching it to, to, to walk, that has given it food and drink enough, that child was bent, bent to transgression, bent to, bent to backsliding, bent to departing from the Lord. I have no, had no desire for the Lord. So that is Israel. It's called my people, right? My people. It was a child. And my people, verse 7. How can it be? My people? Yes, his son, his Ephraim. He took him out of Egypt. It was his. He, he, he cared for it. It was nobody else's. And my people are bent to backsliding from him. The people of Israel are his people. You see it quite often in the Bible with my. My people. Give you a few examples. <clears throat> Jeremiah two verse thirteen. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed down cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So the Lord is blaming them that my people doing that to me. My people has forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they are on, the, on their own, and they are hewing down cisterns, broken cisterns, and they don't hold water. How foolish. How can my people do that? They had no complaints about my care. I love them dearly. I gave them everything that they desired. And doing this to me, oh my people. Or Psalm 81, you know that one. But my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would none of me. Not hearken to my voice, they would none of me. They, they hated me. They just turned their heads away. They had no use for me, the Lord says. Or Isaiah 1. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass the master's grip. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider. My people does not think. My people does not realize. My people is so cold-hearted, so hostile to me. And yet, although the Lord has taken them out of Egypt and taught them, and fed them, and spoke to them. And the Lord says, my people are bent to backsliding. Yet, the Lord could not do it. He could not destroy the people. Because after all, his people. How shall I give thee up, O Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, O Israel? How shall I make this Adma? How shall I set thee as Zebuim? Mine heart, the Lord says, my heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. So such a wayward child, such an obnoxious son, so as someone who is hurting his father, not listening at all, deserving to be abandoned, deserving to, be, to return to Egypt. Yet the Lord says, I can't do it. I cannot destroy them. I cannot let them go. I cannot depart from them. They are still my people. I just feel, feel for them. Mine heart is turned within me. The feeling of compassion within. Filled within me. My repentance are kindled together. So all the 
there's, there's a fire burning, a fire of compassion, feelings of compassion in the heart. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. See that? Because there was anger. This God who took Israel out of Egypt was angry with them. They fierce anger. And the word used for anger here is the word that's all used for the Lord. There's, there's a godly, divine, holy, perfect anger of God. There was a fierce, a fierce anger against that people. It was so unreasonable. It was so foolish. It was so dumb. How could they do that? And yet the Lord says, I can't give you over. I can't let you go. I can't, I can't forget about you. I can't forsake you. How, can, how could I? How shall I make this Atma? I can't do that. I have destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and Atma and Zebram as well. Those four cities. Lord says, I will not do it. I will not execute my fierceness, the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. I can't do it. See? Is that still true? Is it still happening? Yes. The people of Israel are still a special people. The Lord has not forgotten about them. Romans 11. I say then as God cast away his people, God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Watch ye not while the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and they down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they see my life. But what say the answer of God unto me? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, this is the present time. The present time. A remnant according to the election of grace. Still, as concerned the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as does the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So there's not, 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 cannot repent of it. The Lord cannot change his mind on them. They're his people. Yearning. My heart turned within me. Repenting kindled together. The feast of the anger is not, not executed. You find it more, more often in the Bible. I will not execute the feast of my anger. Think of Joseph. Joseph had the right to kill his brothers, right? And they came to him, and he discovered them, and he spoke to them. And Joseph made, made haste. For his bowels did yearn upon his brothers, and he sought where to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. So Joseph was angry with them, and yet also had compassion with his brothers, especially with Abraham, with, with, with Benjamin. Also think of Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Or Psalm 85, very fitting here. Thou hast taken all thy wrath, thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. The Lord says, has, has, has turned himself from the fierceness of his anger. So still today, the people of Israel are a special people. I was in an airplane last week. I started talking to the man next to me. I was asked what I was doing. I asked him what he, what he was doing. I asked him if he had also a philosophy for life, a reason to live for. I often ask the question, what do you live for? Do you, have a, do you have a purpose? He said, I'm Jewish. Well, that's, that's, that's great. Do you know, do you know Isaiah 53? 
about the Messiah. He said, I don't, don't remember. I don't like you to read it all. Isaiah 50, he promised me that he would read it. And then I pray, my Lord, this is one of those sons of Abraham, one of the Jewish people. And the election of God is we have repentance to still continue to that people until the end. That's what we read also in Romans 11. So there are yearnings in the heart of the Lord. Is, uh, the repentance are kindled together for that people. And that's why there is still hope for the people. And that's why the Lord will continue with that. So God's yearning over his people, first place over Israel. Let's go to the second thought. God's yearning over the, over the wicked. Where do I start? Let me start here. When the Lord comes to the heart of an unbeliever person and opens that heart and breaks that heart and begins to do the work of salvation and quickens from the dead, how does that person feel? Any idea? Let's make a list of it. A list in your mind. How a sinner feels when the Lord is arresting him, her. Do you say? Oh, they feel such a deep respect for the Lord. Right. They begin to love the Lord. Yes. The Lord pours out love in their hearts. You say they feel that they're mourning. Mourning sin, grieving sin. They feel so sorry for their sins. Yes. There is fear, there's desire, there's shame, there's sorrow, there's repentance, there's, there's, there's trust. But the fear, let's talk about that, the fear is not slavish. It's not that being petrified and anxious only. It is a specific type of sorrow, a sorrow after God, so after God's will. And how, how come? How come that those people have such a deep feeling of their sin and are so sad? Because they have been hit by the law heart. Did the whip of the law hit them over the back? No. Romans 2 verse 4. Or despises thou the riches of his goodness? and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God breaks the heart. The goodness of God, as you also see here in this chapter, this chapter is about Israel, but also see who God is. And God is not only a God for Israel, so God, he can preach to the whole entire world, and also the God of his people personally. So Isaiah 11 doesn't only show how he deals with Israel, but also deals with who he is. And God is a God of repentance, a God of compassion, a God who will not execute the feast of his anger, but can also delay and defer and wait. It's so long suffering and so slow to anger, right? Feasts of his anger, they will not execute it, not executing the feast of his anger, but he is waiting. Waiting for whom? For you. For the wicked ones. For the unconverted ones. The Lord Jesus. Also, was filled with compassion. He saw the multitude, so unconverted, so unwilling, so foolish. I will not execute the fears of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. Look at the second part of verse nine. For why? 
Those will not execute his anger, for I am God and not man. That's the gospel tonight. For wicked people who don't deserve life and grace. God says, there's a fear of my anger. I'm terribly angry with sin. You're under the curse, but I'm waiting yet. I'm God. So I'm angry with sin, but I'm God. I'm not man. Humanly speaking, sounds kind of strange. If we would have been in God's place, if we would have sat on God's seat, we would say, it's over. It's over forever. I can't see them. I can't stand them anymore. The Lord has thrown people all in eternal damnation. But the Lord can wait, not executing the feasts of his anger yet, because I am God and not man. Studying this, I felt something in my heart. And I had a desire to preach about that. God and not man. So the Lord is looking you in the eye. The Lord is saying to you, I know you. I know your sins. I could destroy you just like that. Without an explanation. I have the right to do that, but I am God. I'm not like you. So anyone doubting if God is willing to save him, her, I would like to underline that. I am God and not man. What do you think of it? Like you? So limited, so unreasonable, so angry, so unjust. God is just and good. And the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. So that's what I'm hoping for tonight. That someone, a young person from our own congregation or from Alberta or Mordoran may feel something of that extreme goodness of God. That he is not executing the fierceness of his anger. I wish, young friends, I could convince you that the Lord has still thoughts of peace. That he is still a God who is willing to speak to you. And is willing to listen to you. Willing to receive you. He does not destroy you yet. He is waiting for you. Quite something. Let me show you from the Bible that this is biblical. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. So Hannah sings about there is nobody like him. He is so distinct. He is so unique. He is not like us. He is God and not man. And you know what word is very fitting here? What word in the Bible about God describes that he is God and not man? That he is so different. There is the word holy. Many think that holy only means pure, undefiled. But the first meaning of holy is distinct, special, different. So otherwise, 
And so the Lord says to the people of Ephraim, you have provoked me to anger. But in spite of the feces of my anger, I will not execute it. I will hold myself in. I will control myself, the Lord said. I am God and not man. Now, we may have a temper. We may be people that are easily provoked, easily angry. The Lord is so different even after the people of Israel, of Ephraim, has been cared for and has enjoyed so many privileges and is not listening to the prophets and do not acknowledge that the Lord has healed them in spite of all the unthankfulness, the absolute ingratitude of the people. The Lord says, I'm still waiting. My repentings are still kindled together. Yesterday, Reverend Hood also told us a few things about young friends, young people that had died and how he felt about that. And you feel something about it. It becomes so real. So real and he receives the pleasing door and they ask, whose driver's license is this? Do you, do, do you know this, this boy? And he, he gives some details. Do you feel it's real? Right? You feel you have to die someday. And my heart trembles as well when I think of our young people. And not all the young people, of course. That someday they may do, do something foolish, or someone else may do something foolish, and it's the end of the life. So the Lord says, not yet. I have spared you so far. My heart is turned within me. My repentance are kindled together. I will not execute the feasts of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. You know when the Lord gives conversion? You begin to see that. You begin to see the Lord did not do what he could have done. Easily. And you are surprised. And you are thankful. Say, Lord, how is it possible that I'm still alive? The Lord says, by this, I'm God. No man. I'm the Holy One. See that in verse 9, the end? The Holy One. In the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. So is the Holy One in the midst of us. What the privilege of the blessing to have God so close by. Do you know the vision of Isaiah, right? In Isaiah 6. When the train of God filled the temple. And Isaiah saw someone sitting on the throne. And he also saw those seraphims, those angels. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What did they mean? By saying three times, holy, holy, holy. They were surprised. They said, I've never seen someone like him. He is God. He's not man. Holy, the Holy One of Israel. So I do not only preach you that God is pure, too pure of eyes to have communion with sin, but he also preached God is a God of compassion, a God who can wait. Joel 2, verse 13. And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, 
and repented him of the evil. So the evil that they deserve and the evil the Lord had in mind is not executed. Probably the strongest version of the Bible about this is Isaiah 48, verse 9 and 11. There are six reasons mentioned. Six. Try to find them. Six reasons why God says, I'm waiting. I'm not doing it yet. I delay. I defer my anger. Six reasons. Some repetitive. For my name's sake will I defer my anger. And for my praise I will refrain for thee that I cut thee not off. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. So the Lord is saying, for my sake, for my sake, for my name, for my glory, for my honor. So the Lord can say, not yet. The Lord can say, I'm not doing it. I'm not executing my anger yet. Why not? I'm God. And I don't do that for myself. The Lord has taken reasons out of himself to wait. What a blessing. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. And he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the rest. They shall tremble as a bird out of Egypt, as a dove out of the land of Assyria. And I will place them in their houses, say the Lord. I will spare them. But they will fear. The Lord will just roar like a lion to the so that they will tremble. The Lord likes it when people rejoice with trembling. Not just rejoicing, not just trembling, rejoice with trembling. They shall walk and the Lord shall roll like a lion and they shall, then he shall roll, then the children shall tremble from the rest. They shall tremble as the bird out of Egypt, like a dove out of Assyria. There are a few different meanings on that. A bird, a dove, coming out of Egypt, coming out of Assyria. Some say it is the speed. It's an example of the speed. So those people will be quickly returned to Israel. They may come back. They may go back to the promised land. Someday. As a bird. As quick as a bird. They just fly. Not to say, no, no, no. As a bird, especially a dove, means that they, they know where to fly. Doves know, right? Doves are very good sense of direction. So the prophet could have said, they will return and they know the way and I'm the way for them. I will give them direction and they will quickly go there. You know, say, no, this is not an exp expression of speed, need an expression of direction. This is an expression of trembling, of being fluttered, of a, an, 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 a sad birth, trembling birth, fear, fearful. So that is how the Lord works, right? When the Lord gives conversion, he gives that sorrow, that sadness in the heart. 
seeing the goodness of God, seeing God's repentance, and that leads to repentance, but also is trembling. Have you never trembled before the Lord, the Holy One in the midst of thee? They shall tremble as a bird, and I will place them in their houses, say the Lord. So the Lord goes after that people, after the people that he has chosen. And also the Lord is conveying that to us this evening hour, this evening hour, that he is willing to save. The Lord likes to roar like a lion. And the Lord likes it, and the children shall tremble from the rest. Come his way. The yearning of God over the people, over Israel, over the wicked. The Lord also is spreading out today, Isaiah 65, verse 2. I have spread out my hands all the day unto rebellious people which walketh in the way that is that was not good after their own fault. So there's some people tonight in church and they walk after their own fault. They do what they want. They know how to do that. They know also ways to hide that, maybe. So they walk in a way that is not good, after their own fault. And the Lord says, go away. Leave church. Care for yourself. No. The Lord says, I'm spreading out my hands all the day. And to a rebellious people, which walk in a way that is not good after their own part. So that is so tender, right? That is that he is not executing the fees of his anger. So that you are driving home tomorrow or are in the area tomorrow, and you have your break time, and you open the, the Bible to read a piece, uh, piece of it, maybe. Look at Hosea 11 again. The Lord is still waiting. The Lord is not executing the fierceness of his anger yet. And he will continue with saving a people for himself. But then the third thought, the yearning over his people. Hosea speaks to Ephraim, to the people of Israel. There's also a message in there for the unconverted ones, for the wicked ones. Because it tells us something of who God is, not executing the fears of his anger yet. But Israel is also an example of God's people, of them saved. You can also read it in that sense. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. So Lord drew out of the house of bondage, delivered them, right? So this is also a message for God's people. Oh, the Lord has taken care of them. The Lord has adopted them. The Lord is feeding them. The Lord maintains them. Oh, the Lord loves his own people with an everlasting love, right? No complaints about the Lord. And yet God's people, although they are loved by him, remain so foolish. The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Still has drawn his people with loving kindness. And yet... We know that the lie is spiritual, but I'm carnal. 
souls under sin. Paul writes in Romans 7. So God's people are still sinners. They're still also grieving the Lord. And Paul says, but I am carnal. I'm fleshy. I'm sold under sin. So God's people also feel time and again the distance to their carnal. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. They never come to the point of holiness here on earth in the sense that they are sanctified completely. To will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which, I, which is good, I find not. God's people cannot live the holy life they would like to live. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So they're God's people. They fall back into idolatry, into world conformity, in any sin. Any sin. So unbelief, think of some of the foolish Galatians, and yet the Lord says to that people that is grieving him and quenching the spirit, the says to that people, my heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I cannot miss you. I cannot give you over. I can't give you over to Zebuim and Asibim uh, and, and, and Edna and Sodom and Gomorrah. I can't do it. God cannot let his people go. What he has begun, he will also continue to the end. He gathers and protects and preserves his people. What a blessing. God's people fall into sin. Also for them, the lion roars, and they come time and again trembling. They know what it is to be as a dove. They make haste again, and the Lord places them in their houses and may return to the promised land. See, God's people also have many issues yet. Think of Romans 2. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. See that? The first love. They leave it. Now, it is not leaving them. They let go. And it is not so tender anymore. Not so close to God anymore. And the Lord could give them over, but he cannot because of himself, his glory, his covenant, his promises, his election. He cannot change it. Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying thus, say the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, and the winds after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, say the Lord. See, Christ, he did not stray. Christ, he stayed close to his father. He did not sin. And the Father could not let his people go. But he could not let his son go either. He had to punish him. He had to put the anger on him. The fierceness of the anger was on the head of the Lord Jesus. He did not deserve it. 
But how could God not do that? Readily let sin go unpunished. He punished sin in his own son. All the fierceness of that anger. He executed. He executed it. He did it. He did not stop him. Lord Jesus did not come down from the cross either. He was willing to go to the very end to absorb that fierceness of the anger so they could let him go in a just way. And don't forget, young friends and old ones, that if you don't, if you do neglect such great salvation, you will know it. You will not escape the fierceness of his anger. There'll be fierce. There'll be incomparable. Because he is God and not man. She cannot let go unpunished. He's not weak. Maybe a person can be weak in firing a person or in punishing a child. But the Lord is consistent and the Lord is doing just justice and he will. One more thing. Kind of difficult. I don't understand myself completely either. But Hosea 11 verse 1 is quoted by Matthew. So the text, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt is quoted in Matthew 2 verse 15. And Lord Jesus was there until the death of Herod. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, say out of Egypt, if I call my son. So the Lord Jesus, this is how he said this, how he said, the Lord Jesus is the representative of the people of Israel. And he was in Egypt with his parents. And after the death of Herod, they came back. Fulfilling, I have called my son out of Egypt. So, we see the link to the New Testament. We see that the Lord Jesus is involved. The Lord Jesus is the one who is delivering his people from their sins. So, congregation, young friends, the Lord says, I can't do it. But it, it is different. He cannot let his elect, his chosen people go. Right? But if you keep neglecting such great salvation, you're playing with fire. That's dangerous stuff. I plead with you. Don't let it go. Don't let him go. Seek him, the Lord says. Seek me and live. Christ did not stray. He did not, not, not deserve to be forsaken. But God executed the fees of his anger and unloaded on his son so that you may hear tonight that he is God and not man. Now you may hear tonight that the Lord says, my repentings are kindled together. And the Lord is calling a rebellious people to come to him. Amen.